CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events from a biblical perspective, and what we hear in church isn't even in the Bible at all. So if you got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Got some lines open, guaranteed no waiting. And joining me today, special guest, featured CSN Speaker Weekends, we have with us Greg Blanc from Calvary Chapel, Rapid City, South Dakota. Hi and welcome. Uh, it's great to be on with you again today, Pastor Mike. It's uh, uh, it's a warm, almost uh, almost 60-degree day. You could tell Ariel that, wow. you know, almost a 60-degree day here in uh, beautiful Rapid City, South Dakota, where... God is doing something in our city. We have, uh, we have, uh, every Wednesday morning, there's a prayer meeting for pastors here in our city and, and, uh, and those who just love to pray. And we are, we are in process of, uh, just declaring that this city belongs to Jesus and trying to find some unity amongst, uh, amongst the pastors and the churches just to seek God's face that there would be revival in our churches and that uh that there would be a harvest in uh in our city rapid city is just growing growing so quickly it's 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 getting harder and harder to find housing here in the middle uh in the middle of the country so uh plenty of things going on here in uh in the interior of uh of our great country how are things going with you mike well good good and uh looking forward to answering some questions with you greg and and again, that number to call, 8888-ASK-CSN, if you want to be part of the program today. And um, with that, we might as well go ahead and go to the phones. We have Michael on the line in Oregon. Hi, and welcome. Hi, how you doing? Good. How may we help? Oh, my question is on Genesis 15, when uh, God tells Abram that he's going to inherit the land. Yes. And then Abram, Abram asks, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? And and I was just wondering, has Abraham inherited the land that God told him that he was going to inherit? Has he inherited it yet? Okay, Greg, your thoughts. Well, well you know, you know the land, the land that uh, God actually gave to Israel goes all the way, goes all the way to uh to the middle to the middle of uh, Iraq the Tigris Euphrates there um and uh and so the answer the answer is no i think that uh from the amount of land that god has god has promised uh the hebrews or abraham or all israel i think the most of the land that was under the reign of king david and maybe 10%. That's all. That's all. And what the, what the principle is there for all of us is that, that how much land, how much land has God given to you? 
or given to me, you know, in Joshua, it says, everywhere, he told Joshua, everywhere you put the sole of your foot, the Lord has given you. So even though God has given us some of these promises, sometimes we need to take our spiritual foot and uh, and take a step of faith to be able to uh, to occupy that. So don't give up on what you're praying for. Just uh, just step out in faith. Pastor Mike? Yeah, because we find in Genesis chapter 15, towards the very end of the chapter, it says that this is for your descendants. And then he gives the borders, basically. And let's just look at them very quickly. And he says that I have given this land uh, from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. This is a huge, huge area that they have not yet received, but it is for his descendants. And so I believe God plans on fulfilling those very things. And so I believe all we have to do is just wait and see what God's going to do. Michael, I hope that answers your question. So Abraham hasn't inherited it yet? Is that what you're Not all of it. Not all of it. Did he because ever again, foot? did he ever actually inherit any of it yet? Abraham himself, that's what I'm talking about. Not not his descendants, but Abraham himself. Abraham and his descendants, right? Okay, Greg, your thoughts. Well, yeah, of of course he did, you know. He he well I think I I think I see where you're going, Michael, and and did he in his lifetime and I think that most of the conquest of the land was uh was under under uh uh under Joshua after uh, and Moses after uh they were released from slavery in in Egypt. Is that is that what you're talking about, Michael? I'm just trying to clarify exactly uh want to make sure I'm picking up what you're laying down. Is that right, Mike? You you're talking about his descendants, but Abraham himself has Abraham himself inherited that land or the promise yet. Okay, sir, your thoughts. Well, did he inherit the promise? Well, the promise of all that land? No. Did he inherit any of it? Would you say then, Greg? Yeah. Yes. Of yes. Yes. Of he, course. He himself. He himself. Yeah, he himself, of course, he was, he lived there, <laughs> you know, he was a Canaan, right? He was told to leave, right? He was told to leave his, uh, his homeland and, uh, and he did. And he was, he was there. God gave him property there, but, but a very, like Mike said, Mike, you said Mike earlier, the, a very, a very small amount in, uh, comparison to what the, uh, his descendants did. So. Yes, and and so anyhow, um, again, God makes His promises, and uh, then He then He explains that promise as we read on there in chapter fifteen. Michael, I hope that answers it for you. We might have lost you, but I I just wanted you to uh, know that yes, I believe He inherited some of it, of course, where He lived, of course, uh, but not nearly what his descendants will someday. Again, that whole chapter deals with the borders of Israel. Let's go to Matthew, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. How you doing? I've got uh, two questions for y'all today. Okay. So uh, 
my first question is, I've heard from uh, some Jewish scholars about the uh, enunciation of Yahweh, and they're saying with the vowels and everything that's uh, you know part of it, that it is enunciated as, as an exhale, as breath, almost as Yah, like Yahweh. And uh, I thought that was very interesting, you know, in conjunction with Scripture, where, you know, creation says our Lord's name. And I'd like to hear a little bit more of uh, in-depth understanding on it. Well, you know, um, Greg, you were in Israel. Give us your yeah. thoughts here. Well, uh, you know, basically Yahweh, it's the, when you see it in your Bibles, so you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, we know it. Uh, scholars have called it the tetragrammaton and it and it basically is a reference to the to the god you remember that uh when uh god was talking to moses in the burning bush and moses says hey who should i tell him is sending me and he says i i am and so uh, yahweh basically means the self-existent one now when it comes to the pronunciation, you know, there's no vowels. There's no vowels there. So we pretty much see it as Y-H-W-H. Uh, I, I've always thought, Mike, you, you, you'll, you've probably gone through this before, but, but Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, whatever they, when, or they're, they're stuck on calling, calling Yahweh Jehovah. I try to remind them that there's no, there's no J sound. There's no J sound in, uh, in Hebrew. So in reality, you should be calling yourself Yahweh's, uh, Yahweh's witnesses. But I, I think what, uh, um, what Matthew may be referring to is, is Rhema, you know, which is, is a Hebrew word that means, uh, it means breath, often in reference, um, to, uh, to the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mike? Amen. I hope that answers it for you. Now, you say you had a second question. Uh, my second question is, um, I have a hard time finding a local church. Um, I, I know when I go to churches, I feel like I just kind of fall in and become another number. I really crave Bible study with other believers instead of people in my immediate surroundings that don't take it as serious. And uh, I've had, you know, my special encounters with God that I've asked my elders and deacons at various churches about, and I, I, I kind of lose them at a point, and I, I have a really hard time finding fellowship, and I don't know where to go in the Hearst North Richland area, uh, North Richland Hills area, and I was looking for some good recommendations. Well, of course, Jeff Wickwire's church is there in Fort Worth, and he co-hosts the show with me normally on Wednesdays, but uh, he was busy today, so I have with us Greg Blanc instead. But uh, he would be a good person to talk to. Now, if you feel that the drive is too far for you and um, and all, I know that Fort Worth is pretty big, um, you might talk to Jeff. I know Jeff uh, knows many people in the area and certainly could recommend to you a good fellowship where the Word of God is upheld and honored. And so that's what I would do. I would just go to Turning Point Church there in Fort Worth and then talk to um, either Pastor Jeff or one of the other pastors on staff there and say, well, you know, if, if it's too far to go, then explain your situation and see if there's anything local. But Matthew, that's the way I'd go with it. Well, the church that's alive is worth the drive, so I'll definitely Amen. check that out this week. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I would definitely check that out, and I think you'll enjoy that. So stay yeah. online, Matthew. Send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And uh, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Ted in Kentucky. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How may we help? I want to be clear on something. Uh, uh, some scholars, they talk about the Gog Magog and uh, Armageddon as uh, the same war. And the Bible doesn't doesn't tell that because one war is be is after the seven uh, the after tribulation and the other war is after the millennium, and they say the again is the last war the human the human race will see, but that Bible doesn't tell that it's it's two different wars not one. Right, we have the the battle of of Armageddon, which is the last war that we fight. We also find um, Gog and Magog mentioned way at the end of the millennial reign of Christ that they're still in rebellion to God. And of course, we have the Ezekiel 38-39 war that could happen, I believe, at any time. And uh, this is where uh, Israel, dwelling at peace, is invaded um, with this coalition army. They come to take a spoil and no one comes to Israel's aid, and the Bible says that God's fury arises in his face, and he destroys five-sixths of the invading army. Now, um, um, uh, when, you, when you look at this incredible story, you realize that the cache of weapons is so great, probably the uh, oil for the tanks or whatever, they have so much uh, cash that they burn the weapons for seven years. That's why I believe the battle of uh, uh, that we find here, the Ezekiel 38-39 war, based upon Ezekiel 39, being they're going to burn the weapons for seven years, is before the millennial reign of Christ. And so, therefore, it would make it before the tribulation as well. Uh, and so, because uh, I cannot see them burning weapons when Jesus makes the whole environment brand new, as the Bible says, he restores it back to a Garden of Eden type of, of existence. Man's longevity goes back to almost a thousand years. Uh, and so I, I think we're going to see a, a real thing. But I cannot see them burning old stinky oil and stuff like that during the millennial reign of Christ. I think it's going to be a whole new ecosystem, a whole new energy system, all those things that humans need to live. God will provide for us. But uh, again, the Ezekiel 38, 39 war is not during the tribulation period because of them burning the weapons for seven years. Because let's say uh, this, uh, the idea of this happening the second year of the tribulation. Well, then they'd burn weapons for two years into the millennial reign of Christ. That's not going to happen. So understanding that, the war simply is before then. Now, is it before the rapture of the church? I don't know. Is it after the rapture of the church and before the tribulation begins? I don't know. Remember, what starts the tribulation period is not the collapse of the United States, is not the end of the American dollar, is not the rapture of the church, the Bible tells us what starts the tribulation in Daniel chapter 9 is this individual, he, not capitalized, of course, in the Bible, 
makes a covenant with Israel for one week. That's a seven-year period of time. That's what begins it. But we do have all the ingredients around this leading up to this um, this treaty that's made with Israel, and very possibly so they can build their temple there on the dome where uh, on the on the hill there where the dome of the Ra- mosque is. There's 11 to 15 acres of sidewalks to the north and the east of the Dome of the Rock Mosque. So the Dome of the Rock Mosque could still exist while Israel builds their temple. Now, very clearly in Revelation chapter 11, when John is told to measure the temple that doesn't yet exist, but it will, leave out the outer court, it has been given to the Gentiles. I think that's a very significant statement, and that may very well be where the Dome of the Rock Mosque is. And also in the Old Testament, that's as far as the Gentiles could come anyway. So your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, you know, Ted, I just want to make sure that you're not confusing. Uh, Magog is mentioned both uh, in the war that happens at the end of the millennium, which isn't much of a, of a war. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 scenario. But the only time that I am aware of, Mike, maybe you can correct me on this, that Armageddon is mentioned is in Revelation, Revelation 16. Uh, I think it's even 16, 16, right there. Uh, look, uh, if you back up to verse 15, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see uh, his shame. And they gathered themselves together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And Armageddon just means valley. Uh, oh, of, Megiddo. Uh, Megiddo, exactly. And Mike has been there many times. I've, I've been there many times. It's just a, a huge flat, flat plain. There have been many, many battles fought in the Valley of Megiddo that are chronicled in, uh, in the Bible. Even, uh, uh, I think Napoleon, I think it was Napoleon who said that it was the perfect, the perfect, uh, battlefield. But Mike, uh, you're, uh, you're a hundred percent correct. Only, uh, uh, only uh, Megiddo is mentioned in uh, in chapter sixteen, and of course, of course, there. Just what would be the logical reason of burning nuclear weapons in uh, fuel in, oil in Christ, for tanks or, or fuel oil? Yeah, in the millennial or, or the, in the millennial reign. There's there's no there's no need. We're going to see Jesus in in all His glory. We're going to be ruling as kings and and priests along with them. And even though there will be a revolt uh, at the end of the millennium, when uh, when the devil is released from the bottomless pit for a for a short amount of time, um, it uh, it doesn't uh, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. So now so, now um, remember something too that when it says. Uh, Gog and Magog at the last part there of the millennial reign of Christ, when Satan is loosed and goes out and deceives the nations. Remember that there are deep-rooted things within people and in races. And this is uh, addressed even in heaven, where you have the tree of life planted, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Isn't that weird? that you would have a tree in heaven 
and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Well, I thought when we got to heaven, everything was going to be hunky-dory. I'm cool. You're cool. We're all cool together. No, evidently, the Bible says we'll be known as we're known. And so there is evidently some type of healing that goes on even in heaven forever, or at least initially the first part of the leaves being used for the healing of the nations. Now, there are people, groups of people, that become bent on certain ideas. And certainly they revolt against the Lord. And it may be very much where God intervenes. In this Ezekiel 38, 39 war, the Bible says the world is hollowed in God. Uh, uh, God is hollowed in the, in the eyes of the observers. This is a, a major thing. And you don't know that maybe Gog and Magog for a thousand years held a grudge against the Lord to then um, revolt at the very end again. We don't know that. But whatever it is, the Bible tells us we have a healing of the nations in heaven. We have Gog and Magog mentioned at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. And then, of course, the Ezekiel 38, 39 war that could start, I believe, just about any time. So, Ted, I hope that helps. Okay, hey, Mike, can I add you. one more thing? Sure. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, I was just, uh, 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 one more thing you got to remember is that the battle of Armageddon happens in the Valley of Megiddo. And the final battle at the end of the millennial reign happens where, Mike? Dun-dun-dun! Jerusalem. So just little tidbits for people that are trying to uh, to uh, to put those two wars uh, as the same, as the same, because I know that some people try to do that. Pastor Mike? So, Ted, you're right. They are two separate wars. Hope that helps. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Stay online. Send you out some books, some DVDs. Of course, Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort. I think you'll really enjoy that. With that, we'll go to Heather in Rafford, Virginia. Hi and welcome. Hi, Pastor Mike. Um, I had a question about the, um, in the Old Testament, my mom wanted to know where the believers go um, in the Old Testament when they die, since Jesus didn't die and was it resurrected yet? It was like a holding. Yeah, Jesus. Pattern. Jesus told us. Jesus told us where they went. They went to a place called Sheol, which we know as the paradise side was Abraham's bosom. And Jesus talked about a rich man who fared sumptuously every day. He had the finest things in life. And then there was a poor beggar covered with sores that would lay outside of this rich man's gate, and the dogs would come up. And lick his source. I always thought it was interesting that the rich man at least could have let um, Lazarus on the inside of his gate to keep the dogs away, but he didn't even do that. Well, the Bible says they both died. The angels came and got Lazarus. The Bible says, but the rich man was buried. Kind of an interesting uh, picture there. Well, we find both of them in Sheol in this place of the dead. The paradise side has Lazarus in it. The, the, uh, we find the rich man in the uh, fire and all side, awaiting the great white throne judgment. Now, Lazarus there in heaven, Abraham there, as well as the other saints, 
awaiting the supreme sacrifice of when Jesus was to die on the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus preached to those in captivity, and he led captivity captive. So he took them out once the supreme sacrifice had been made. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover the sin like you would throw a sheet over a table in your living room when you're painting the ceiling. It would cover it, but it wouldn't remove it. Only Jesus' blood removes the sin. Now, Lazarus, there in, in, in comfort, uh, we have the rich man in hell still ordering people around. Tell Lazarus to come over here, dip his finger in the water, cool my tongue, I'm tormented in the flame. I just think it's really interesting that death seals you kind of in the condition you're in. And here you got this rich guy used to telling everybody what to do. Now the tables have turned. Now he's in the place of torment and still saying, do this, do that. Tell my five brothers, go back, send somebody back and tell my five brothers not to come to this terrible place. Remember, he knew he was thirsty. He knew he was in the fire. He knew who Abraham was. He knew who Lazarus was. This idea of uh, annihilation not found in the Bible. This idea, oh, it's a beautiful place. Hell is. No, it's not. It's a place of torment awaiting the great white throne judgment. And people may ask the question, well, why do they go there and then the white throne judgment? Because just because a person dies does not stop the evil things that they put into motion while they were here on this earth. In other words, think about a person that started a cult. Maybe there's only a couple dozen at the time. Now there's millions. That judgment on that individual for loving and making a lie is going to be severe. So I believe this is why God waits to the end of the great white throne or uh, millennial reign and wait to the great white throne judgment. The books are open and everybody's judged according to what they've done. Remember, just because a person dies does not stop the evil or the good that they have, that they have put into motion. That's why we need our sins forgiven past, present, and future. Your thoughts? Mike, you did great at giving a, uh, a quick overview of, uh, of Luke 16, and all I can do is reiterate that uh, Sheol, two separate, two separate compartments basically uh, defined uh, in Hebrew as, as the realm of the dead or, or sometimes just called, just called the grave. And then I uh, I quickly just looked up uh, Daniel 12 when it talks about uh, a resurrection of those saints. And maybe we can hit that uh, a little bit more on the other side of the break. Pastor Mike? Yeah, you know, you know, Greg, you might share a little bit with us, too, when Jesus died, where he went for those three days as well, to this very place of Abraham's bosom. Coming up on a break, we'll have a whole lot more coming up right after this. We'll be right back. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. 
MetaShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. Welcome you back to part two of Trevor Man Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Greg Blanc. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. Greg is from Calvary Chapel in Rapid City, South Dakota. And again, we just want to uh, say thank you, Greg, for uh, making CSN part of your afternoon and sharing your wisdom with all of us. Now, when we went to the break, we were speaking with Heather concerning where we go, where the Old Testament saints went uh, when they died. Now, uh, Heather, we touched on it. Are we uh, are we answering the question for you? Um, yes, that was um, good. My my mom was raised Catholic, so she was talking about oh. like what the Catholics believe about purgatory, and um, she was saying that it's kind of maybe that's where they got the idea of purgatory from that in the Bible. Well, pur- yeah, purgatory is not in the Bible. Uh, it is, that is made up. The idea of second chances, uh, permeate a lot of religions. Uh, uh, Mormons have baptism, baptism for the dead. Uh, you have, uh, this idea of purgatory and by money and different things, you can get, you know, Uncle Fred out of, out of purgatory or whatever. These different kinds of ideas. But the Bible says, and again, that's our authority. Hebrews 9, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So any idea of reincarnation, second chance, uh, your living relatives doing some kind of uh, thing to, to redeem you out of this terrible place is all made up. It is not there. Um, everybody, uh, when they die— seals you in the condition you're in. That's why the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. Now, you know, when Jesus died, a lot of people go, where did he go for those three days? Now, uh, this ties in with this part of the story, because um, tell us about how, how Jesus ministered to the saints. 
Well, Mike, you know, uh, I think, uh, especially coming from uh, the the little bit of religious upbringing that I had as a kid was uh, was from uh, Catholicism, and I know that the Apostles' Creed has caused, uh, uh, well, a little bit of a misconception, maybe some confusion, because in the Apostles' Creed it says that Jesus descended into hell, which he which he did not. He descended into Sheol, or he descended into what we might call, might even call Hades. Um, but uh, but he he didn't. And like you said in Hebrews nine twenty seven, it says it's appointed once for man to die, and then uh, and then the judgment. And let's go over, boys and girls. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter uh, four, and this is what we read. This is what you were talking about. Mike, it says, therefore, it says that when Jesus ascended on high, uh, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Who uh, He who descended is also the one who has ascended above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So, uh, Jesus on his victory tour uh, waiting for the resurrection on the third day, as the scriptures teach us, uh, he went to uh, Sheol and he preached to the Paris, uh, paradise side of that compartment that Mike was talking about there in uh, the parable. It's not a parable in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, where where uh, where Lazarus the beggar dies and uh, and. Uh, he knows that the rich man is 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 there, and he he's asking just will you will you will you will you ask Lazarus to take a uh, just his put his finger in water and put it on the tip of my tongue. So when when people tell you that hell ain't a bad place to be, ACDC had it completely completely wrong. I banged my head for years on that song, and uh, when I got saved, it just like oh, now I get how deceptive the, the devil is. Hell is a horrible place to be, and one of the reasons why we want to be sharing the gospel as uh, much as possible, so so nobody nobody has to go there. Mike, do I have a second just to say to, to, to sure. say what Daniel says about the resurrection? Just, just for Old Testament saints and uh, well, this is primarily for Old Testament saints. This is uh, Daniel chapter 12. Uh, look at uh, verse... I gotta, I guess I got to go to verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince, who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to the time. And at, the, uh, and at that time, your people shall be delivered everyone who is found written in the book. That's important, right? And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some shall uh, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the saints forever and ever. So, so it's not a New Testament principle of the resurrection. The Old Testament prophets taught it uh, taught it as well. Pastor Mike, I hope that helps. Um, yes, I was wondering also: is there a way to get a copy of the radio when you answered the question to give to my mom? Because I tried to give her the phone, but they said not to put it on speaker, and she couldn't really okay. listen to it. So I didn't know well, if there was yes. a way to 
get that? Yes. It, this program will be archived by going to csnradio.com. And then you can go to, it talks about T-E-M-A, to every man and answer. And then you can look up the live, um, the live um, um, programs, the archived ones, and just look up today's date and you'll find it and you can play it many times as you need to. Does it take a couple days before it, it shows up like the current? Uh, usually a day or two, yeah. You can just check it. Just keep checking the date. And when you see it appears, one or two days. I had one other question, but you, maybe you okay. can talk about another time. But did you see the commercials about He Gets Us, the Jesus with the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, but but um, your your thoughts, Greg? Oh, my goodness. Talk about a hot topic in the Christian world today. He gets us. Uh, let me... I'm going to be I'm going to be as gracious as possible because I know that that uh, not everybody does ministry the way we do and sometimes you know we we just have to there's things that we're going to have to let God sort out. With with that said, Pastor Mike, um there's this new campaign, he gets us. You know, he gets us and there was a 30 second uh ad during the Super Bowl and I think it's Three million dollars or five million dollars, and uh, for a thirty-second for a thirty-second spot. And I know that a lot of evangelicals have uh, have uh, brought out that well, that would have bought a lot of Bibles or fed a lot of kids, and and so I I I would probably swing uh, swing to that uh, to that uh, uh, opinion. But but the whole campaign, I think they could have chosen something you know he gets us i know what they're trying to do they're trying to make jesus palatable to uh to a culture that really doesn't doesn't want to seek out the things of god as in the bible and they're trying to use that as a as a hook that people will go to their website and hopefully go through their reading plan and and uh that people would be saved as a uh as a uh as as a res, uh, result of of spending time there but but in the big picture it's it's not you know he gets us but is do we get him and what him what jesus do we get do we do we get the him do we get the jesus of the bible or do we get the watered down fluffy ecumenical jesus Birkenstock wearing, bathrobe wearing, you know, lamby on his shoulder kind of Jesus that people think they have to use as a hook to to bring people into the kingdom of God. And I just, whatever happened to the Holy Spirit? You know, Jesus himself, he came out with words. His first recorded words were repent for the kingdom of God is at, is at hand. And it's always been a work of the power of the Holy Spirit. Should we be gracious and should we be diplomatic when possible? Of course, of course. But but campaigns like this that that uh, that intentionally are designed to uh, to to water down who the who the true Jesus is. It's a little difficult. Some people, some evangelicals, are having challenges with it because of uh, um, 
Mr. Rumi, you know, he's he's the guy that uh, that plays Jesus in the Chosen series, which is another topic for another call. Right, Mike. But at the same time, um, Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan Rumi. He's very much he's very Catholic um, and and, you know, praying the rosary or things that are encouraged and and. And can God use that? I guess he could, but I, I just want to preach the gospel, what what Jesus preached, and uh, and leave all that in his hands. Pastor Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I hope that answers it for you. Yeah, I just, um, I know there's a lot of differing opinions on the commercials, and I just got a feeling about, like, the whole one world religion, and, like, they show abortion clinics, go. and all the very controversial things. And it was really about like Jesus doesn't hate and love everything. And I just didn't get a good feeling about it. And you could take it two different ways, but yeah, I was just wondering about that, but I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Y'all have a blessed evening. I really enjoy your, your um, ministry. I listen to you every day. Well, Heather, thank you. And stay on the line. I'll send you out some books and DVDs. And Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That is not a popular message in today's world. The message and the Jesus of today is sent slipping Jesus in my pocket. I climb to the top. But that's not what Jesus taught. And these are the great problems that we have. And so we have, unfortunately today, very imbalanced Christianity that takes all the verses, and thank God for those verses that speak of God's great love for the world, John 3.16. But as it says, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The word believing there means putting all your faith, hope, and trust in, not just simply to make acknowledgement of, for the demons believe the Bible tells us and tremble, and they're not right with God. So we find today an anemic gospel that is out there in the in the name of being all-inclusive and reaching everybody everywhere, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And Paul warned about that, saying in the last days they're going to bring another Jesus to you, not the one of the Bible. Yes, Jesus loves us. You know, there's the old saying, Jesus loves me, and he loves us too much to leave me the way I am. That's the way God works. But to say, oh, I I accept Christ, but, uh, you know, now I'm going to just continue doing what I want to do. That is not the Bible. As Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that prayer, we are surrendering our will to God. It isn't that I'm going to get a Santa Claus. Jesus gives me everything I want and and all that. We have to let God change us inside. Heather, stay online. Send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll be blessed with. With that, we'll go to Soren, Needles, California. Hi, and welcome. Hi, Mike. Hi, Greg. How may we help? Uh, I was just curious about something. I was wondering if I could get your thoughts on it. There's a church I started hearing about in Lake Forest, California, called Saddleback, run by Rick Warren. I first mm-hmm. started crossing paths with their way of looking at things around 2006, and I, I wasn't sure if it was sound and accurate. I got a funny feeling. 
I wonder if you had any experiences with that uh, organization, uh, the books they put out, the author, the one who gives lectures on Sunday. Hey, Greg, your thoughts? Well, first, Soren, let me let me tell you this. My brother's name is Soren. There aren't a whole lot of Sorens out there, so uh, what a what a what a great name! And you just put a smile on my face because my brother died a few years ago, and I miss him desperately. And and just seeing his name on the screen uh, made me smile. So thanks for doing that, brother. Um, your question, it's you know it, it, it's a good one. Um, you know, I think uh, if there's if there's such a thing as evolution, I think that Rick Warren has evolved over the last several decades. I remember as a new believer, I've been a believer for 34 years, and I think my first or second year as a believer, uh, a good Baptist friend of mine invited me to go to a uh, to a Bible training up at Saddleback. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it, it was a different Saddleback then. It was, you know, Rick Warren, I think is a, uh, Mike, you could probably verify this, but I think he's a third generation, um, pastor, uh, three generations, maybe four generations. Uh, dad was a pastor, grandfather was a pastor, maybe even great grandfather was, was, uh, was a pastor. So has that lineage. And I, you know, I met him. He took, he took a, a handful of us on uh, a tour of uh, of their facility, and and you know a a, a likable guy. The biblical training that uh, that I got, I you know thirty years ago, thirty two years ago, it was it was relatively accurate. I was primarily involved in children's ministry training uh, at the time. But over the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so, maybe a little longer, maybe 15 or 20 years, there, there's there been a slipping on what those of us that would be uh, strict conservative uh, Bible students on on what, uh, you know, on what he's what he's promoting. There's a lot of ecumenical uh ecumenalism going going on we're trying to bring you know every uh every food group of christianity under under one big tent regardless of uh of doctrinal issues and and i you know i i want to relate to people that are that are sound in doctrine calvary chapels are not the only churches that are doing great things for the lord there's plenty of other churches that are as well but but if they're doctrinally unsound I I have to be cautious in partnering with them, and I think that uh, that these days there's there's plenty of questions about things that are being taught, uh, considering uh, marriage, gender, um, uh, women's roles in uh, in the ministry. I think that uh, that they would be promoters of egalitarianism, where where most of us evangelicals would would stick to complementarianism that 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 both women and men are are des- definitely needed you know within the body of Christ uh but we have different roles within the body of Christ and we shouldn't uh we shouldn't blur those lines pastor mike what do you think well and 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 you know very clearly we don't find based on biblical consistency we don't find women pastors uh in the new testament 
are women in in leading men in the New Testament, nor do we find women priests in the Old Testament in the synagogue. Now, this is important because one of the things that Rick Warren does is he tries to uh, elevate women into that position that there's no difference. And I, I, I have trouble with that. Um, and I also, when I see that, that so often it appears that so many people are willing to compromise what the Bible says is absolute, they're saying, well, no, it's just kind of how you look at it. I, I think we run into trouble there. But like I tell everybody, Soren, uh, just read the Bible. You know, that is going to be the best thing. And you may be going to a church for 25 years and they've always taught good. And then all of a sudden they start, you know, getting into wokeism and all the wonky stuff that's out there. Just, I tell people everywhere, know your Bible, know why you believe what you don't ever say, well, I believe that because that's what my church believes. Wrong answer. You need to know and be convinced in your heart. This is the problem that they were doing. Um, the Pharisees were doing with with Jesus. Our father Abraham taught us, or Moses said, it isn't what we personally believe. It's what somebody else said. Well, what do you believe? What are the conclusions that you've come to? The Bible says, study your, show yourself approved unto God, a workman not to be ashamed. And so I believe that's going to be the best thing that we can do. So Soren, I hope that helps. Yeah, I'm curious. I run into this uh, Warren uh, organization and its uh, materials and people who like the materials, and it always seems to end up with a kind of a controversy. They're more loose. uh, I don't know how to put it. I'm more conservative and fundamental, and they don't seem to like that. They say, oh, what? You're too narrow. It always seems to come down to that with these people who like his materials and his books. They think he's some kind of hero or something. I can't understand it. Uh, I'm old-fashioned. I got saved in 1976 in an Assembly of God church. So I know what it was like back then. Something's different now. It's not like it used to be in 1976, that's for sure. Well, Jesus is my hero, and <clears throat> so— Anyhow, I just invite everybody, study your Bible, know what the Bible says. Soren, stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, including The Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort. I think you'll really enjoy that. And again, thanks so much for the call. And again, uh, keep reading. Keep letting your light shine. Let's go to David Gooding, Idaho. Hi, welcome. Hello. Um, I've got a question about Revelations chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Um, yeah. It says um, that the when John looked up at the sky, it looked like the um, the sky was rolling up like a scroll. Yes. And then it says that um, every there was a great earthquake. Every mountain and every um, island was moved from its place. Doesn't that seem like um, the the earth could be flipping if if he's seeing the sky roll? And then every, it doesn't say the, the earthquake crumbled the mountains and made them disappear or islands, it crumbled islands and they disappeared. Does it make sense that the world could be flipping if they're moved from their places? Do you get what I mean? 
Yeah, sure. And 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 they believe that has happened in past, uh, polar axis flip. Um, now, Isaiah says, I beheld the earth rocking and reeling on its axis as a drunk man. So uh, what we oftentimes attribute to what I call time continuum, all things remain as they are, the Bible says that is not the case. And what you have these evolutionary people attributing billions of years to, the Bible says happened in a, a thousand years. Now, something else you might want to realize, too, is when you get down towards the end of chapter 6, the people of the earth cried out, the men cried out for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them for the wrath of the Lamb has come. Why aren't they in their houses? Uh, for protection? Why are they calling out to the mountains to fall on them? Why are they calling out to Mother Earth rather than to God? Well, this tells me that there's a lot of things. Now, some people attribute that rolling up of the sky very possibly the way a bomb, an atomic bomb goes off or a neutron bomb would look. I think that's an interesting observation. But the Bible doesn't say that's what it is. And I don't know what it is, but one thing we know for sure, every mountain and island moves out of its place, which to me would say, and in fact, as you go a little farther up into Revelation, every island completely goes away. So that tells me, based upon uh, what we know, that there's going to be some major tectonic plate movement, I believe, uh, in the tribulation period. You have a meteorite a name Wormwood, uh, a falling star, hits the earth. And and that in itself could crack the plates even farther, the Pacific Plate, Northwest Plate, all these different plates that make up the uh, the crust of the earth, where when they rub against each other, we get these earthquakes. But we don't really know your thoughts. Yeah, Mike, I am so glad that you said, you know, we don't really know what this what what this is that's going on but we know these verses especially verses 12 through 14 we know that there's a there's a whole lot of shaking and quaking and baking going on during that time you know i don't i don't i don't know how to humanly describe uh what the apostle john is seeing here all i know is that that this once orderly universe is going to get very unorderly and it's going to cause cataclysmic uh events uh on the earth and you know they're predicted you know luke 21 luke 21 uh 11 talks about these great earthquakes and uh and again in matthew 24 it says that that you know one of these signs in these end times including even on into the tribulation period that uh, I think that earthquakes are going to be, I think that God is going to, going to use that in, in his tool chest of getting people's, uh, people's uh, attention. Pastor Mike. And by the way, earthquakes have nothing to do with climate change. I saw some goofy dude say, oh, the reason there's more earthquakes is because of climate change. No, it's not. I don't believe the religion of the world on climate change. Hey, we're all out of time. Stay in line. And James Michael Kulzbach will pitch on first thing tomorrow. And thanks so much, uh, Greg, for being on. Look forward to being back with you again. Just to remind you, keep looking up. Our redemption draws to find out more God bless you. ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226.
or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 